Question for you. Are you a planner? Who's a planner? You know, if you're a, a, a planner, here, here's maybe how I could do it. We'll, we'll raise hands. We don't do this often in here, but raise your hand if you have all of your Christmas shopping done. Or, or maybe almost all, but maybe one or two things. And some of you have your hands raised and you're lying because she's beside you, right? Or he's beside you. Oh, I got you, babe. Don't worry. I, I, you're trying to look good. I know, I know what you're doing. Planners, I'm with you. I'm very type A, very OCD. I've got three running to-do lists at any given time, and I'm not lying about that. Uh, three running to-do lists, and it's very exciting. It's a rush for me if I can check something off of my to-do list. When I do it, I'm telling you, I love it. I feel like Gabby Douglas just jumped off the beam, and I stuck the landing and hands up and chest out. You know, it just feels so fulfilling for me. Type A people, you with me? It just feels, it feels good. But we know that though we might execute plans pretty well sometimes, life doesn't always go according to plan, does it? It doesn't always work out the way you were thinking. It would. Maybe this holiday season, I don't know, maybe everything goes according to plan, but at some point in your life, life is going to throw you a curveball. It's going to get interesting. It's going to be unexpected. Maybe for you, this holiday season already has thrown you a curveball. Maybe you thought that, that, that you were going to get that bonus. You were planning on the bonus so that you could get the gifts for the, the kids, but it didn't come through. Or maybe it was just this was the year that Christmas was going to roll around and you were going to be financially secure and it wasn't going to be super stressful to buy gifts for the kids or, or for family and friends, but you're, you're struggling. Or maybe you were planning on a peaceful Christmas, but there's conflict. Or, or, or maybe you were planning on a really joyous Christmas, but it's, it's kind of difficult right now because you found out that someone is, is really ill. Or maybe you were planning on spending Christmas in that particular relationship, but there was a breakup in 2015, or there was a separation, or a divorce, or even, God forbid, maybe a, a death in, in 2015. And I could go on and on and on about different scenarios. Maybe I didn't touch on your specific scenario, but we're talking this morning about when life gets interrupted, when your, your plan gets interrupted. I don't do well with that, by the way. I really don't, even just simple things. Uh, a few days ago, we were going on a, on a staff Christmas party. We were going to have a dinner, and, and we're en route, and we're late as always, or burning through the city, and I remember that I was on top of things, and I planned so well, and like five days prior, I got all the Christmas cards ready and lined up, put them in my front seat of my car so I would not forget them. My car decides that the, the driver's side door lock won't open up, and so you have to crawl. So all week long, I'd been crawling through the other side, so when it came time to go to the party, we said, let's just take the other car. And we're almost there. And I say, the Christmas cards, we got to turn around. I planned so well a week in advance, and it just uh, frustrates me. Little things like that, but then big things that actually maybe matter a little bit more. But rest assured, life is going to throw you a curveball, or two, or 20, 200 curveballs. Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to be. If you want to flip on over there. If you have a Bible, if you don't, we have Bibles around the room. Grab one of those, and uh, we'll put it on the screen as well for you. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, those ones that we have around the room, take that home and uh, keep it 
or wrap it up and give it to somebody. Merry Christmas, all right? Matthew chapter 1. It's probably the least popular angle of the, the Christmas story because it covers Joseph's side, Joseph's story. And let's be honest, Joseph is a guy who he didn't do anything, right? Because Mary was a, a virgin. He's just this passive bystander who, who somehow got in on the nativity scene, didn't really do much anything, right? Wrong, right? His story is, is huge, and there's so much to learn from Joseph. I was just so excited this week studying and, and learning a little bit more about Joseph. Joseph was a man with a plan. Anybody? That's always me. I got a plan. Joseph was a man with a plan, and then another plan, and then another plan, and the third plan was actually God's plan, therefore the best plan. Read with me. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they had come together, she was found to be with child, that's tricky, from the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we know from later passages in Matthew and in in Luke that Joseph is this young carpenter. He's from this small-time town called Nazareth. It's just barely even on the map. But for him, it was home. And it was also home for this young teenage girl named Mary, likely early high school, late middle school girl. And they are betrothed to be married. And in that culture, a betrothal was much more than an engagement. In that culture, you were legally married. You just have not yet consummated your marriage. You have not been intimate yet. Now, for this Young adult like Joseph, it, marriage is obviously a huge step in your journey, right? It, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's, it's much more than you've got a plan, you're going this way, and then there's, you know, it, it's a, it's, you're bringing somebody on the journey with you. You ever been on a trip with somebody? Somebody you thought was your friend, and then you went on the trip with them or on a vacation with them, and you thought, oh my goodness, now I really know them, and I don't know if we can be friends anymore. It's just, Wow. It's a big deal to bring somebody else on your journey, to, to have them join you for life. Married people in the room, maybe you remember dating. Maybe you remember contemplating. Can I spend the rest of my life with this person? And Joseph had determined, absolutely, I can. It was almost certainly an arranged marriage based on the cultural norms of those days for the Hebrew people. Mary most likely did not have much of a say in this, but Joseph did. Joseph's father and mother did, and Mary's father and mother did. And it was a huge decision for their planning. Now, after Joseph and his parents and Mary's parents arranged things and negotiated contracts, they were now considered betrothed. They were legally considered married. But both Mary and Joseph would continue to live with their parents for 10 months to a year. And then after that year, there would be the official ceremony where this big processional would take place. And Joseph would go marching towards the bride's house. And he would get the bride and bring her back to his father's house in this grand processional. And they would begin to live life in this house, 
likely an addition to his father's house or a room that is in his father's house that is now uh, arranged and he would bring her back. That's why Jesus says beautifully in, in John 14, 2 through 3, he says, in my father's house, there are many rooms and I go to prepare a place for you and I will come again and take you to myself that where I may be, there you may also be. And so Jesus, this great illustration of Jesus as the groom and we the church, his bride, he is preparing right now for you and for me a place for us that is heaven. And he's going to come back again. The second advent, he's going to come for us and he's going to bring us to his father's house where he's been preparing a beautiful place for us. Now, just as a, as a side note, outside of where we're going for the rest of the message, just a, a side note, this is the biblical order. We live in Boston, so I have to be very careful to make sure that you know this, but this is the biblical order of how God intended things to be. First of all, marriage, and then living together in in physical intimacy. Come on, Josh, seriously? I mean, come on. 21st century, let's let's get with the, the program. Bible seems to evolve a little bit. Things seem to change as you read through the Bible. But here's the difference. In the Bible, this is what we call creation mandate. This was from the very beginning how it always has been. That a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And then the two shall be one flesh. You've got to grow up. You've got to move out. You've got to become a man. You've got to cleave or be married to her. And then to become one flesh. And throughout the Bible, they keep pointing back to this. Jesus, Paul, they keep pointing back to back in Genesis, saying this is how it is intended to be. And in Boston, I get it, it's expensive, it's much more affordable to just live together, but that's not what God intends. Why? Because physical intimacy is the ultimate act of commitment. It's the ultimate act of commitment. It's saying, I'm with you I see you, I see everything about you, and it doesn't matter, flaws, I am forever committed to you. That's how God has intended it. Just a side note, back into the message here. That's how Joseph is moving forward, because that's God's best, that's how God wants it to be, and he's living with God's plan. Next verse, verse 19, will go on and say that he was a just man. He was a righteous man. Man, right? And that's many of you. You're, you're, you're just, you're righteous. You're trying to honor God with your life. You're trying to do what's best. You're trying to do what God has for you. And for Joseph, that's him. And, and that's his plan A. That's his plan A. I'm, I'm going to, to, to start my life with Mary. We're going we're gonna to be together. We're going to build this addition to the house. I'm going to plan this ceremony with her. I'm going to bring her back. We're going to live together in, in Nazareth. We're going to have babies. We're going to have a family. I'm going to grow my carpentry business. I'm going to uh, raise a righteous, God-honoring Hebrew family. That's a good plan, isn't it? That's a, re- that's a really good plan. But then, unexpected fork in the road. Unexpected fork in the road on the map that you've already charted out for yourself. Anybody been there? Some of you right now, you're facing a fork in the road and you're trying to figure out what am I to do? And for him, it looked like this. And he looks and it's, it's Mary. And there's probably a look on her 
face? You ever had that knock at your door? Or that phone call that you just were not expecting with some really difficult news? You can think back to that day. I can think back to that day in my life when you get the news that was not according to plan. It was not what you were thinking. It wasn't what you were preparing for. And listen, it's coming. One of the best things that I can do for you is just bring you there over and over and over again and say, listen, it's coming. The knock is is coming. And you need to prepare for the knock now before. Before it happens so that you can respond well and not respond reactionary. Because when you respond reactionary, you haven't really thought through what do I do when the knock comes my way. Oftentimes you don't respond in a way that's honoring to God. So ask that of yourself right now. What am I going to do when the knock comes? Will I respond in a way that is displaying that I trust God, that I'm going to honor God, that I will continue to walk, but I'm going to walk in his route. And the knock comes, knock, knock, knock. Joseph, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm pregnant. Wow, talk about change of plans. Remember, it says that Joseph is a just man. He's doing it God's way, so he has not been with her but, but Joseph, Joseph, let me, let me explain. And here comes her story. She starts to outline the story. So an angel came to me, and, and the baby is from the Lord. I have been faithful. God, the Holy Spirit, has put this baby inside of me. Whew. You thought she was crazy when she told you how many people needed to be on the guest list. I can't afford that. But she says, here's how the baby came. Now Joseph has some decisions to make, doesn't he? Maybe you, right now, you've got some decisions to make. For him it was, will you continue to marry this woman or will you go on and live a life on your own apart from her? Because with that knock, things can never be the same. And some of you, you have that knock and you know, at this point, things can never be the same. You ever had that moment where you just, you're sitting in it and you're saying, Man, I wish I could just go back to yesterday and just get a taste of what it felt like before the knock, before the the, the phone call came my way. You ever had that moment? Things cannot go according to plan A, no matter what decision he makes. Because listen, plans are going to evolve. You ever heard the the phrase, trust the, the process? You ever heard that? Trust the process. Maybe, maybe in your job there's this leadership development process and your boss says you just got to trust the, the, the process. Just, just trust it. And, and maybe for you, you're thinking, I can do it so much better than my bonehead boss. But there's a, there's a process that's in place that, that you have to walk through this process to help you prepare to become a leader. You've got to trust the, the process. It's there to, to help adequately prepare you. Maybe you've been there with, with sports and there's all these conditioning things you need to do and there's these, these drills that your coaches make you do and they seem completely 
pointless. And, and maybe you feel like, I can't understand this. But then you get into the real live match or the real live game and you experience it. And then it starts to click. You had to learn to, to trust the, the process. Or, or listen, I've got a spunky little four-year-old daughter named Nora. And, and right now we're in the, the, the midst of, of helping her have uh, some adjustment with some attitudinal issues, you know what I mean? And uh, so we're, we're trying to take care of that right now. And, and, and right now, at four years old, I can't sit her down and explain to her every little nuance, right? And give her the, the, the why behind everything that mommy and daddy are doing to try to correct the, the attitudinal issue. But there's this, this process in place, right, that she's got to live in, even though she doesn't understand it all. Some of you, you know that, 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 that there's a plan that God has for you and it doesn't make sense, but you've just got to trust the process that God's doing something. He's preparing you for something. Trust it. Some of you maybe know this verse. Some of you don't, but if you don't, this is like probably number one urgent priority scripture memory verse for you. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Write that down. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You know what this verse is saying? It's saying trust the process. You've got to trust the process. If you're a note taker, write that down. Trust the process. There are going to be things in this life that you do not understand in this, I've got an answer to everything right here in my, my smartphone kind of society where you can just Google it right now and, and get whatever answers you want. You have to know, according to that verse, that you've got to trust in the Lord with all your heart and not on your own understanding. You've got to know that I can't understand. I can't know everything right now. But I'm going to trust him and he's going to make straight my past, that he's going to lead me to where I need to go. You've got to trust that. Joseph's plan A is shot. There's no more happy little marriage and family in in Nazareth. I mean, if he marries her, even if he goes forward with it, people are going to start to look at him a little bit differently. There's going to be gossip in this small town for sure because everybody knows everybody. He's going to be known for marrying the immoral girl. What, you couldn't do better? His carpentry business is going to, going to suffer most likely. His faith life, his synagogue life is going to, to struggle a bit here. I mean, the implications could just go on and on and on to what this is going to mean for his future. And so Joseph then moves on to plan B. Look at verse 19 with me. Plan B is And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And so Joseph changes plan A to plan B, and plan B is let's just quietly divorce her. We haven't consummated yet. There's still this this one-year period where we could get a bit of an, an annulment. And in that day, the practice was if she was found immoral, they could stone her. But it says because Joseph is a just man, he didn't want to shame her. He says, that's not how we're going to do it. I'm going to quietly divorce her. That's a good plan, right? It's a lot better than I'm going to divorce her and have her stoned and, and, and show her what's up. No. It reveals a lot about the character of this man, Joseph. He was a man who wanted to protect 
not shame women. He's a very just man. And he cares about this woman, even though his heart is obviously broken. It was a good plan as well, but again, it wasn't the ultimate plan. It was part of the process, though. Making a plan and then seeing that God has something even better that you couldn't have imagined. Keep going. Look at verse 20. But as he considered these things, his plan, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Ah, so here we go. God starts to unveil to to Joseph a little bit of what he's up to. Don't you like that? When God changes things a bit, but then he starts to kind of unveil, let me show you what I'm doing here. You don't get it all at once, but let me show you what I'm I'm doing here. Joseph has crafted plan B, but God says, no, let me me show you my plan. And this angel comes to Joseph as he's sleeping, and he says, don't be afraid, go ahead and marry her. What she says is true. The Holy Spirit has come upon her. It's a boy, and you will call him Jesus. And, and, and she, or he will save his people from sin. He is the, the Savior. He is the, the Savior. And then the angel will quote Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. He says, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God is a spirit, but God enters into humanity and becomes a physical person. Joseph, this crazy situation that you find yourself in is Bible prophecy being fulfilled. And so we move from plan A to plan B. But now here's plan C. It's God's plan. And Joseph has this decision to make. Would he trust his plan that he made, plan B, or would he trust God's plan, plan C? Now, Let me just show you something that's, I think, really important for us to understand. And that is that this was not an uninformed decision that he has to make. God calls him to trust him, to lean not on his own understanding. But he never calls us to take a blind leap of faith. I hate that phrase. I don't know where it came from. I don't know why it's kind of become a part of the Christian jargon. A lot of people think that to become a Christian means you've got to turn off your brain. No. Evidence is is there. This, This book, the Bible, is historically verifiable according to the principles of what makes history true and historically verifiable. Have I ever seen Jesus? No. But I've reasoned in my mind with the evidence and it makes sense to me. It's not a blind leap of faith. And similarly for for Joseph and for us today, God calls us to trust him. God calls us to follow him. But he never calls us, follow me blindly. Take a blind leap. No. Faith is not, you know nothing. Faith is, you know something, but not everything. Faith is not, you don't get to know anything. Just go. Faith is you get to know some things, but you don't get to know everything. Do you see the difference there? 
Joseph doesn't know everything about how this is going to look. Like, uh, God, am I going to have any friends anymore? Will anybody hire me again with my business? Or how in the world am I going to raise this baby? I haven't decided yet if, if raising the sinless Messiah is the hardest task in the world or the easiest task in the world. I've contemplated that many, many times. One hand, it's hard. I mean, what do you even do? On the other hand, he's perfect, right? They never had to say, get over here, Jesus Christ, right now. One, two, three. They never had to do that number, right? How do you do that? Joseph doesn't know everything. He doesn't know how this is going to look. But he does know some things. He's got his Bible with all these stories of how God has been faithful through the ages. He can look back and say, yeah, this isn't blind. God's faithful. God's good. We're, we're in the promised land right now for crying out loud. God can do this. He's got the prophecies about a virgin that's going to be with child. Can't fake that stuff. He just had an angel speak to him. I mean, that'll do it for me. I wasn't in his shoes, though. So God gives him the things that he needs to take the step of faith. And God gives you the things that you need to take his path and to trust him. Even though you don't know everything, you can see some things. And in time, God likes to reveal more and more and more. And some of you in here right now, God is stirring your heart to trust him with a decision. And you don't know everything, but you know some things, enough to decide. Maybe you just keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And some of you, it's, it's, you know what, to give your life to following Jesus. You need to do that. You've just kind of been teetering. You haven't really made that decision yet. I don't know if I trust his plan. I don't know the whole Bible yet. Listen, I don't know that any of us really know the whole Bible perfectly. But you know what you need to know for now in order to make a decision. And, and you know that, as the angel said, Jesus came to deal with your sin problem. And you can't deny, right, I've got a sin problem. You can't deny turning on the news or looking around that this place is broken and something is up. And that it just seems to get worse and worse and worse. The Bible says that God is a just judge and that everyone will be judged for their sin. Some of us in, in our country don't like it, but I rest assured people in, in other places, that's what they're clinging to right now, that God is a just judge. We like justice except when it's on us and we're sinful. But the good news of Jesus is that God came into this world, Emmanuel, God with us. He took on our flesh as the only one who could solve this problem and he lived a perfect and sinless life not deserving the wages of sin, which is death, but dying on the cross for you and for me, paying our death penalty. You have the evidence that there is absolutely no shrine to Jesus. But you go look at every other religious leader in history, and there's shrines of of religious leaders in that day and age, countless shrines, still today, and others that have been unearthed through archaeology, but nothing to Jesus. Why? Because he died and then he came back to life and he's seated on a throne. 
He's the king. He's the king, and you have what you need to believe. You just got to trust him. Others of you in here, maybe you've got some decisions. You've got some plans that you're working out. And as you look at your plans, it's will I trust God and will I obey or will I lean on my own understanding? Or some of you younger people, it's your college students, it's your parents' understanding. They don't understand why you're so zealous for this Jesus or you went off to college and you changed. I don't get that. You've got to trust in the Lord, not your own understanding. You could say it this way, that you can either trust and obey or you can force your own way. You can trust and obey or you could force your own way. Because God's way is kind of strange, Right? I mean, you look throughout history and it just seems weird. I mean, have you read the Bible? If I was making this up, I would not have put some of those stories in there. Just weird, weird stuff. A staff into a, a, a snake, a, a Christian murderer to the great missionary, the Apostle Paul, or world changers and world leaders out of fishermen. Just strange. For me, it was, doesn't make any sense, Josh, but I want you to sell your brand new custom-built house on two acres of land at the bottom of the economy and move to Boston, and you'll probably not live in a really nice place ever again. And we moved into a grimy Boston apartment, and it was, Josh, are you going to trust and obey? Or are you going to force your own way that seems right to you? I mean, the economy is not good right now. You just built the place. Has God told you to do something? He's, he's calling you to obey right now. And you're trying so hard to make your way work, your plan, your understanding. And it's starting to look like a, a square peg in a round hole. And you're forcing and you're forcing and you're forcing and it's going to break. Or maybe you're trying to take shortcuts on life's trip. God says, I want you to go this way. You say, I want to go this way. And you don't know that your shortcut has some death traps along the way. Proverbs will say it this way. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it's death. Seems right to do this, to climb this ladder, to go this route, and to to not so much prioritize this because I just can't see tangibly what that does for me right now and my family. It's a way that seems right, but in the end, it's, it's death. I'm telling you, Time and time again, God's way is strange. God's way is long. God's way is hard. But I'll tell you this, it's also scenic. You go that route and there's some amazing, beautiful things that you get to see when you go God's way. And there's some things that God's doing, some conditioning. He's strengthening your legs when you're on his route. And it's amazing. And I look back at my own life, I wouldn't trade it for the world, what God has done in me. And through me when it really didn't make a whole lot of sense. You just got to learn to trust the process. You got to trust that God is up to something. God is working wonders in you and he wants to work wonders through you. And so Joseph's there at the fork and what does he do? Look at verses 24 and 25. And when Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. I think verse 24 is the most crucial verse in Joseph's story. It's just awesome. Verse 24, Joseph woke up 
And he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he married Mary. He didn't know her intimately until the baby came. Instead of divorcing her, he married her. And Joseph was very much a father to Jesus, even though it wasn't his line. Matthew chapter 13, 35, later on, some, some, some townies of Jesus' hometown of, of Nazareth will we'll say it this way. They'll say, is this Jesus not the carpenter's son? So, blood-wise, he's not actually a son, but he was a son to Joseph. Joseph was a father to Jesus. Joseph had a lot to do in the life of Jesus. Just some incredible things. And he could have forced his own way, and he could have divorced Mary and said, I've got this window of time, and fortunately it happened in this window of time, and I'll just... But he didn't, did he? He went, he went God's way. He woke up, and he started to follow God's good plan. He got to experience some amazing things in the life of Jesus. And some of us today, we need to wake up. We need to wake up to God's plan for our lives. We need to not lean on our own understanding and follow his path. I brought this along and imagine with me that this is a map in in their day. And imagine that they've, they've got this map out and and, and probably like me, maybe you have a bit of a map. You know, you've got a, you've got a plan for your life. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go here, and then I'm going to come here. I'm gonna, maybe it's your educational plan. It's your, your financial plan. It's your family plan. It's I'm going to live here. I'm going to move up this, and I'm going to go here. And, and you've got your plan all lined out. And I imagine that, that Joseph does too. He's charting his course, but you're going to find out. If you're young, you maybe haven't gotten that yet, but you will find out that there's going to be some forks that, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Reroute. Or it's, it's Waze, you know, the app on your phone, and there's a big red thing here, and everything within me, Mr. Type A, and I think I know directions better than anybody. I know Boston like the back of my hand, and everything within me says, that will not work, Waze, but I've never seen Waze be wrong. Anybody? It's amazing. You got to get the app. little promo, plug. They're not paying me. No royalties. But everything within me says this way. It's saying you've got to reroute. You've got to reroute. And that's going to happen in, in, in your journey. Joseph, you have your way. And then there's God's way. And God's way is, it, it's going to be harder. It's going to be a, a, a lot more, more difficult. Your son, this Jesus, he's going to grow up and go through some stuff that it's going to break your heart. We don't think he was there at the, the death of Jesus because you see Mary at the cross. You don't hear about Joseph, but he saw some, some stuff that Jesus went through for, for sure. And, and Joseph could have gone his way. It would have been maybe, maybe faster. And God's way is a little bit longer. But he decided to go God's way. And what's interesting is we stop here in the text but the story will go on with Joseph's life, doesn't it? And you learn that, that the, the path just keeps getting weirder and, and, more, and, and more turns. He, he starts right in, in Nazareth, right? And then he says, okay, I want you to, to you're going to have to go down to Bethlehem because there's a census being taken. What? 
about to have a, I mean, we are literally about to pop with this baby. And so they've got to go through Jerusalem and, and down to Bethlehem. And they're in Bethlehem and the, the Christmas story, and it's, it's beautiful. But after baby Jesus comes, the nativity scene, you remember the story? In a dream, another dream, an angel of the Lord comes to Joseph. He says, listen, Herod's ticked off. Rumor about a, another king? He's killing all the, all the baby boys in, in Bethlehem. And you need to go to Egypt. Wait, I thought I was going home tomorrow. No, you're going to Egypt, which is all the way down here. Way down here. And you're going to be there for a while. And he's there for quite a while. And then verses 19 and 20 in Matthew chapter 1, it says, And when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. It says, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. And they get to come all the way back home. And that's some of our lives. Wait, I thought I was hanging out here. Nope, you're going down here. Okay, we're here, but we're going back. Nope, we're going way down here. Wait, anybody? Just seems like detour after detour and God all along the way saying, you've got to trust me. You've got to trust me. You have got to trust me. It it doesn't make any sense to you, but I've got a plan. And eventually, it's going to come full circle. And it's going to make perfect sense to you. God, you knew what you were up to all along the way. Nazareth, Bethlehem, Egypt, ah, Nazareth, and their home. Some of you today, I, I'm praying that you will just leave encouraged. You're, you're a Christian. You've been, you've been following Jesus. You've been following his path for your life, and you've got to trust him, and you've got to lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, every way that you go. You've got to look to him. You've got to acknowledge him, and he's going to straighten out your paths. You just keep moving one foot in front of the other. He's going to straighten out your, your path. Hang in there. It's going to come full circle, either on this side of the grave or when you die and you're with him for all eternity. You're going to look back and this life is just a little blip of of turns all over the place. But as you zoom out, it's a lot of this. It's just a tiny little dot. And now you're here for eternity with him. Others of you in here, you just need to trust in Jesus today. That he would bring you home, that he would bring you back to Nazareth, so to speak, back into the arms of God, back into a right relationship with God through Jesus. And you're like Joseph, that when, 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 when Jesus comes, he interrupts your plans a little bit. I just warn you, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be kind of crazy. When Jesus comes, he interrupts your, your plans. Parents, you had a life and then you had a baby, right? You know, comes in, baby Jesus interrupts the plans. Jesus will interrupt your, your, your life. I love what it says in Acts chapter 19. It says that there was no small disturbance concerning Jesus. <laughs> Jesus will interrupt things. But that's good. He's going to cause you to trust him. He's going to grow you. He's going to strengthen your legs. He's going to strengthen your faith. You're going to see some things. There's going to be pain and there's going to be joy, but you've got to trust in him. And listen, let me close with this. We get to go full circle because Jesus went full circle. Here's what I mean. We get to live in this life and, and find home in him because Jesus, God, descended to earth and he lived in our shoes and he died and he was buried 
and he was resurrected, and he appeared for 40 days to prove it. And then he ascended to heaven. And because of that great work of Jesus going full circle, we get to go full circle and live in a relationship with Jesus and be right with God and trust him on every turn, even when our plans change. Because Jesus has come to earth, and that is Advent. The coming of Jesus, celebrating the coming of Jesus. And some of you, you're in the midst of the windy road, and you get to anticipate his coming again. It's a great, great story, the life of Joseph. Let's be encouraged by it. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. And for all that it means for us. God, I'm so thankful that in the midst of this really chaotic world, we get to trust in the one who sees the turns ahead that we don't see. And then we get to look back in recorded history and maybe even in stories in our own lives of how you've proven faithful and it helps us to move forward in the future with trust. And God, I want to pray for those people right now who they've never trusted in Jesus so they don't really have a whole lot of those personal stories. But they would hear from, from me, they would hear from others in their lives who love you and they would hear from your word. And, and see, Jesus is trustworthy. I can give my life to him. I can follow him. And God, I pray that you would come and just interrupt their plan in a beautiful, powerful way. Thank you that you have come to earth to seek and to save the lost. That you came to earth with us on your mind. That you were gonna live in our shoes and feel our pain be tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. Though you were perfect, you died the death of a sinner on the cross. And you were buried. But because you're God and death has no hold on you, three days later you resurrected, proving your victory over Satan and sin and death. And then you ascend into heaven and you're seated on the throne as King of kings and Lord of lords. You went full circle, calling us to trust you, that you would be on the throne of our hearts and our lives, not us. And so God, I pray that if there's anybody right here, right now, today, that does not know Jesus, that they would trust in him today. That you would stir their hearts, that you've given them everything they need to believe and to trust, and that today would be the day that they would call upon you and be saved from sin, as the angel prophesied there. So do your work in our hearts. I pray for my Christian friends in this room. They know you. They've trusted you in the past, but maybe right now it just seems a little too daunting. They can't understand how you could prove faithful this time. Would you just show them right now that you're with them? May they be encouraged and pressed forward towards making a decision that they're going to trust you and honor you and live for you. We're going to be very careful to give you all the credit, all the praise when you again show yourself faithful. So Lord, do your work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.